Good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome to our service online. We're delighted that you've joined us as part of our online campus. And we are blessed, really believing that God's going to speak to you. But first of all, let's acknowledge that we are in the middle of a massive heat wave, 40 Celsius. That is um, absolutely overwhelming. And yet here we are enjoying the warm weather, 40 Celsius. I hope you're doing well. Well, this service, we continue our series, Powered Up. Pastor Jordan will be preaching and sharing about how the Holy Spirit brooded at creation and is present at the end and looking at the whole issue and the subject of the brooding presence of the Holy Spirit within the Bible. It's going to be really interesting and I know it will provoke you to think about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the work of the Holy Spirit in people all around us. So be prepared to be challenged and be blessed. Be prepared to enjoy the messages both at Highway 33 and in the mission. And I know that God will speak to you. Luke Madden is preaching in the mission this weekend, our pastoral apprentice. And he has preached a number of times, led worship, just got a real beautiful heart for the Lord. So as we begin the service, let's take a moment and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather right now. Father, thank you that we can worship you in this way. Father, in this day and age, we need your guidance. We need your encouragement. We need the closeness of Christ to surround us. So, Lord, I pray that as we step into this time of worship, you will bless us and come close to us wherever we may be and whatever situation we may be facing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Willow Park Church. Lovely to have you with us today. We're going to be praising our God. We're going to sing some songs that talk about us surrendering to God and remembering that he is the one who wins our battles for us. So we're going to talk about do what you want to, that we are going to surrender everything to God, that the battle belongs to God, and that in Christ alone, our hope is found. So join with us and find our hope in Jesus. Do what you want to God, we love to see you 
you want to do what you want to as we sing this song, we will give all our battles and all our fights to you. All the things that we are struggling with, whether it's personal, in our own walk, and temptations that we're struggling against, 
or whether it's something else, finances or a job situation, family difficulties. Lord, we give all our battles to you because the battle belongs to you. You have the victory. And so we wait and see for our salvation comes from you. Oh God, the 
called in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm maybe you're struggling to find some solid ground today well this is God's promise to you that he is your cornerstone he is your firm foundation he will not let you down. He will be with you constantly. And we stand on him. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness born by the ones he came to save true on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of This is the power of God. 
surrender to you. The battle belongs to you and you won. (laughs) You defeated sin and death and hell. And because of that, we can stand firm on you, our cornerstone, and trust in Christ alone for your glory and for our good. Bless your name. Amen. I think at this time, as we step into communion, And we think about those words in Christ alone. Often we try and find words to explain things that are really hard to come to terms with. I remember one gentleman talking about that he'd been through a terrible car accident, had seen members of his family, children killed. He asked God why. And in his musings and in his writings, he found himself one day sat in a beautiful French cathedral. If you've ever had the pleasure of going to France and experiencing the magnificent architecture of the ancient cathedrals, they are Beautiful and stunning. But of course he was in a storm in his mind and of emotion and wondering how on earth he could reconcile his personal suffering with all that was going on and all he was feeling and the grief and the agony with his faith. And I think who hasn't been there? Who hasn't? struggled in that way and in that manner. But that kind of grief he was thinking was unthinkable. Sat down in the church and he started to stare at a Catholic crucifix, big, massive, as often they are in these uh, Catholic cathedrals. And as he looked quite a long time, lingered and pondered and his mind wandered, I guess. And he was struck by the 
image of Christ on the cross. And I think he wrote something like this. That even though he didn't have an answer at that moment. Somehow the answer was in Christ on that cross. He said he couldn't write the answer. He said he couldn't articulate it and put it into a sentence. But he said the answer was there. He was staring at the answer of humanity's pain and suffering. He found such sense of connection and relief and insight in Jesus on the cross. Maybe, of course, it's because Christ suffered for the sins of the world. Christ suffered for man's darkness, man's pain, man's rebellion, man's sin. And I think even now as we hear the ongoing news of, of the residential schools and more news unfolding... I wrote an article about this and said that sometimes we don't have words to say. We just have groans. That's what Romans says, isn't it? The spirit within us groans to the spirit of God. And I know for our indigenous community and for families connected beyond the level of emotion and pain that they are feeling is, is so real and so profound. And, and I think we should all, I know, I don't think, I know we should all seek to understand, identify, love, and be aware of the pain in the nation again. And groan and groan in our prayers and take a moment to acknowledge that. There's a lot to be said about that subject and the pain. And I certainly am not qualified or able to speak about the subject. But I feel pretty qualified to talk about God's love for a broken world. I feel qualified to say that when you stare into the face of Jesus who was crucified for us, for the darkness of humanity and the pain of humanity, there is an answer in the suffering servant in Christ. So as we take communion, just for a moment, let's remember and continue to remember all those that are affected by this ongoing news and our indigenous members of our church and those who are connected. And actually, you may not know many of them because, you know, they're part of the congregation, but their grandmother or 
a great aunt or a family member was in a residential school. And I have had the opportunity to hear a little bit of their story and their reflections. So, Father, we pray right now for all that is happening, for the ongoing pain in the nation, and particularly in these indigenous communities that are being deeply affected. Humanity, Lord. And we look at the Christ in the bread. We look at the suffering, the pain, the rejection, the isolation and the agony that he went through to be our substitute. Taking our sin, substitutional atonement for us, our brokenness of humanity to bring forgiveness and healing. So, the body of Christ which is broken for you, eat it in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. He purchased you. But also remember that he was broken so that the world could be healed. The body of Christ. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. His blood was shed to atone us, to free us. His blood purchased forgiveness. If you like, it purchased grace. It purchased a new beginning. Lord, I pray that and thank you for the blood of Christ. And we praise you that we are forgiven and we are cleansed because of it. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to join us at Willow One Prayer. Uh, this Monday evening, I do want to devote a good portion of Willow One Prayer to acknowledge and to pray for the indigenous community and to spend some time with a bit of a prayer vigil, a time. I think that's only right. I'm trying to work out and working on the best way to do that. The elders board spent quite a lot of time discussing this. And we've reached out to our First Nations. And asked for guidance. And the way that we can as a church community respond. <clears throat> the church as a whole needs to respond. But we can do our little bit. So... Uh, do join us on Monday evening and come to the church and gather and pray. We can all gather and pray at the church. 
and, and also online and join us for that. But right now, here is the Willow One News. So hear that all that is taking place and all that is happening. Bless you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We want to set aside some time to pray as a church family for all that is going on this summer at Willow Park Church. Join us Monday night at 7 p.m. for Willow One Prayer. We are gathering in person at our Rutland location, and you can just show up and sign in at the door. We will also be streaming online. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. We have a brand new camp for kids coming August 16th to 27th. Our musical theater summer camp is for ages 9 to 15. Kids will have tons of fun while auditioning, rehearsing, and then performing an original musical. Sign up today at willowparkchurch.com slash theater camp. Our church camp out is looking like it's going to be a great time. Registration for the weekend of July 9th to 12th is now full, but we still have lots of RV and tent camping sites available for the weeks before and after that weekend. You can reserve a camping site today at willowparkchurch.com slash campout. Our ARC Youth Summer Camps are happening this summer at a brand new location at Pines Bible Camp in Grand Forks. Our Junior High Camp is happening July 5th to 9th, and our Senior High Camp is July 12th to 16th. Camps are filling fast, so be sure to register today at cahoots.ca slash ARC. Did you know we now have Kids Church happening at all three of our locations, plus Kids Camp and Preteen Camp coming in July? To be able to do all this, we need a whole lot of volunteers. Join the Kids Church team today by signing up at willowparkchurch.com slash kidsteam or sign up to help at Kids Camp or Preteen Camp by registering for those events as a volunteer. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Good morning, everybody coming in from the online service. We have pretty much a full house, more people than I expected this morning, which is awesome. Thank you for joining us. I was just telling everybody here that we had some uh, bad news this morning that Jerry, uh, Janet Courtney's mom, is feeling very ill and she's in the hospital. So we're just going to spend just a a couple moments here just praying for her and praying for the Courtney family and just that God would bless them and heal her and comfort them. So if you guys want to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come and, and we, just, we thank you that you are with us in our hardest times, in our darkest moments. I thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would be with Jerry and Janet and Terry and their family, God, this morning. Lord Jesus, that you would be near Jerry. Lord, and that you would heal her. And God, that you would just be close to her no matter what. Would you bless the doctors and the nurses as they help her? Lord, and would you just be in that room, Lord, and give my dad the words to say and the encouragement and, and just fill them with your spirit, fill them all with your spirit, God, that they would know your presence. Yeah, God, and I just pray for a blessing over this service, blessing over the people here, everybody watching online. 
God, just be with us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And would we hear from you? Would you speak through me by your grace? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, I don't know about you guys, but this, this series about the Holy Spirit has been amazing. I've loved it so much. It's been so encouraging. And I wanted to start my sermon just kind of by going through a recap of all that we've learned about that the Spirit does in our lives. Because when we believe in Jesus, when we believe that he died on the cross, that he rose again, and we are forgiven from our sins, we're filled with the Spirit, and our lives change because of the Spirit. I was saying to Jack, kind of even jokingly last night, I was like, the Christian life without the Spirit is, is pointless. It's boring. You, we need to, the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does so much in our lives. And the first thing that we've been talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. And Jeremy spoke on this uh, a couple weeks ago. He said that bearing fruit is a sign that we are living a Spirit-filled life. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of them, is a sign that we're living. It shows that we are Christians. It marks us as Christians. And that's amazing. And that's something that changes our every single day. If we are somebody who is filled with the fruit of the Spirit, that changes who we are, changes who we are to other people, it changes how we interact, it changes everything. We've also been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And we've, uh, I think my dad talked about this a couple weeks ago. He said that grace gifts are given so that Jesus' mission is fulfilled through his church. So everybody here has gifts from the Holy Spirit that change the world, that change people's lives, that transform people's lives, that build up and encourage each other. That's an amazing gift. Another thing is prophecy. When something, when a thought drops into your, into your mind out of nowhere to encourage somebody or to have a word for somebody, that's something the Spirit gives us. And I've experienced that a few times. I'm sure you guys have too. Is that something the Spirit gives us that builds up the church, encourages the church? There's regeneration and regenesis. So cool. It trans, the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts. Instead of a heart of stone, we're giving a heart of flesh. And we continue to grow and be sanctified in that. It's amazing in that the sin in our lives can be dealt with through the Holy Spirit washing and regenerating us. It's incredible to think about. And then the Holy Spirit leads us to pray, helps us to know God's love. This is just the life of a Christian. This should be all of our experience, a life of love, joy, peace, a life of power, of transformation, of community that makes people take notice, a life that is just filled with God's presence, God's power, God's beauty and wonder. That's what the Christian life should be. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that the church should be the most exciting, thrilling place in the world. That hit the Christians in the church should be the most exciting, thrilling people. Whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, whatever, if you know God, that is exciting. That's the best thing that we have in this world. The church should be the most exciting, thrilling place in the world. But when we look at our lives, would we say that this is our experience? Would we say that this, that we actually, when we go through fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, regeneration, all these things, is this actually what we experience regularly? Or do we just experience some and not all of it? That's kind of how I felt when I started prepping this. I was like, all these things, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm getting the most out of the Holy Spirit in my life, you know? But this is what the Christian life should be. We should be regularly experiencing these things, the, the gifts and the blessings that the Spirit gives us. 
And if we are missing out on some of the Spirit's work and blessings in our lives, it means that we have quenched the Spirit. We've quenched the Spirit. And I get this from 1 Thessalonians 5.19, where it just says, Do not quench the Spirit. I was hoping, and in my mind when I was given this topic, I was like, okay, there'll be a verse in here that I can dive deep into and, you know, find a lot of context around it. Nope, just do not quench the Spirit. And so I was like, okay, that's all I got to work with. That's great. So, I, but after doing some research, you find out it can also mean subdue or just be unresponsive to the Spirit. And in other places it says, do not grieve the Spirit. And so there's other times the Bible talks about do not quench the Spirit. But basically what this means is that quenching the Spirit is doing something that hinders our relationship and our fellowship with the Lord. Something that hinders our fellowship or relationship with the Lord or hinders our experience of the Spirit in our lives. I think that's a good way to think about it. It's something that stops us from experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, experiencing the gifts, experiencing prophecy, transformation, power. It's something that stops that from happening. One thing, I just wanted to say this quickly, one thing it doesn't mean is you can't lose the Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he's forgiven you from your sins, that he rose from the dead, you are filled with the Spirit, and that won't be undone. Not for a single second of your life. You have the Spirit in you, and that's the most incredible blessing. God's finish, God finishes what he starts, you know, and we can believe that, and we can trust that. But we do have the ability to quench or subdue, or be unresponsive to the Spirit in our lives. One way of thinking about it is like quenching a fire. You can pour water on a fire, you can throw dirt on a fire, or you can just ignore the fire and it'll die out. So that's one way to think about it. Another way I like to think about it is, my mom came up with this, is like you're having a conversation with a friend, and say it's at a party, and you know, and there's lots of people around, lots of people talking. You can talk with this person, and you can have this relationship with them, but there are things you can do that stop your relationship, or your fellowship with this person. And that doesn't mean the person leaves. You're still there with them, but you're not engaged with them as much. Your experience of them is not the same. And so you can start talking to somebody else over them. You can just ignore them. So you're not experiencing this person the same way. And that's the same thing that we do with the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's a conversation, it's a relationship, it's a fellowship. But there are things we can do that stop our experience, like being a full experience of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Cool. That's kind of how I like to think about it. It's a super helpful, because the person's still there. We still have the Holy Spirit, but we're just not experiencing him fully. So this is what we do with the Holy Spirit. We can quench him or subdue him. We miss out on some of the most beautiful, powerful, life-changing blessings that he wants to give us. And before we get into the specifics of how we actually quench the Spirit, I just wanted to frame your thinking slightly and encourage you. And so as we go through these, I want to just, yeah, I want to encourage you to allow the Spirit to speak to you, to, be, to make room as we were just singing, and, and to actually let Him highlight some things in you. When I was going through all these things, there were like one or two main things that I was like, yeah, I do that, you know, I quench the Spirit in that way. And so I asked the Holy Spirit to, to help me in that. And so this is kind of the application of this sermon. As we go through this, is to write down one or two of these. I think there's nine. Don't freak out. It's going to go by quickly. They write down one or two of them, and then focus on listening to the Spirit in regards to these things. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you with these things. So don't be overwhelmed. 
you know, this isn't when he speaks to you and when he highlights something in you. It's not to make you feel bad. It's not to make you feel discouraged. It's not to make you condemned. It's a blessing that he's speaking to us. It's a blessing that he's teaching us. He's sanctifying us. He's renewing our hearts. It's a blessing. And so consider this an invitation to experience God more fully in your life, to experience his power, to experience love, joy, peace, to experience a community that changes the world, changes this city, that this is what we have the opportunity to do this morning. And so I found it helpful to split up quenching the Spirit into two categories. Limiting the Spirit, which is more of a theological, some things that we believe about the Spirit that, that limit what we think He can do in our lives, and then not listening to the Spirit or ignoring the Spirit, which is more practical things we do on a day-to-day basis. So limiting what the Spirit can do. Limit, the first one is limit our relationship with the Father. This is when we believe that we can't be close to God, that we can't have a relationship with God that is intimate and honest and open, and we don't feel like we can like sit on his lap and tell him about how our day is going. It's when we keep a distance, or we believe that God wants to be distant from us. And that might come because of your experience in life, and that's okay, and that's normal. I'm sure many people in here have felt that. But the truth is that we are not kept at a distance from God. The truth is that God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He keeps steadfast love for thousands of generations, and he forgives sin. He is the perfect Father. And through his Holy Spirit, we get to cry, Abba, Father. We get to have him as a dad, as a papa. That's an incredible, incredible thing, is that we are not far away from him. So long, so much of my Christian faith before last year was kind of seeing God as distant and seeing him as something, I needed to say the right words, I needed to be in the right place, I needed to, it was very static, it was very ritualistic. And then I read a book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it changed my life, it changed my faith, because I realized that I can come before God as a father, as a close relationship, and just tell him how I'm feeling. And listen to his response. Listen to the Spirit in response. And this changes how we live our day-to-day life. This changes how we approach God, how we pray. We're not cowering in fear. We're not afraid to make mistakes in front of his presence, or say the right things, or do the right things. It's We just get to be ourselves, and he speaks to us. He changes us. He transforms us. And he loves us and welcomes us into his presence. So we can live knowing that his spirit is in us and that we can be close to him. And this is an incredible thing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that it's only for the exceptional Christians. It's only for the best of the best. It's only for the preachers and the pastors and evangelists and missionaries. And that's just not true. The Spirit-filled life is not abnormal. That should be something for every single person, every single Christian who believes in Jesus. The Spirit is given to everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Spirit-filled life is for you. It's for me. It's for everybody listening online. It's for whoever believes in Jesus. It's not just for the exceptional. The third is rejecting some or all of the Spirit's gifts. And some believe that the gifts died out with the apostles. This is cessationism. 
or that the big gifts aren't around, so healing and prophecy and tongues, like that doesn't happen anymore. Some people believe that. But we see that in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, that Paul tells the church, just like you and me, tells the church, earnestly desire the higher gifts. He says to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's what my dad was talking about last week. Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So these gifts are real, and we should desire them. They are, we are to pursue them with wisdom and care, not to abandon them. And I think sometimes, even me, I go, oh, healing, you know, some people kind of use healing to manipulate, or they, and it hurts people, or you didn't have enough faith to heal, or, or to be healed. But the way to do it is not to abandon that and believe that that doesn't happen anymore, but to go, how can we test everything? How can we make sure that this is right and biblical and good and wise? And prophecy, there's a verse, so do not quench the spirit. And right after this, it says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. And I think that you can apply that to just the gifts in general. Don't quench the spirit in this way. Don't believe that a gift cannot happen because it's been used poorly in the past. Test everything. Be wise. Be biblical about it. Ask the spirit to help you understand how, what, what the best way to do this is. If you are somebody who receives a prophecy from somebody or a word or encouragement, you can take it and go, okay, God, let me test this against your word. Does it make sense against my life? Does it seem like it lines up? Instead of just being afraid because of some bad experiences in the past. If we reject these gifts, we miss out on so much that the Spirit offers us, you know? And we live a fuller life when we live using these gifts and encouraging these gifts in other people. So that's the third one, rejecting some or all of his gifts. The fourth one is formality. And formality is when we structure our lives in such a way that we don't actually allow room for the Spirit in our life. It's when we are, are very, just like I was saying, very ritualistic, very static, and we almost it almost leads to us being the center, and almost, it does lead to us being the center of our lives, the center of our plans, you know? It, may, it puts the emphasis on our routines and our practices instead of the Spirit and His plans. Essentially, it attempts to reduce the Spirit to be someone we can control and predict instead of someone we follow and wait upon. Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, I took a lot of inspiration from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He had a great few sermons. I think it's just called Quenching the Spirit. Listen to them. They're way better than anything I could say today. So good. He said, the greatest, that formality is the greatest enemy of the power, life, and freedom of the Spirit. Formality is the greatest enemy of the power, life, and freedom of the Spirit. When we structure our lives in such a way that we just don't give space to move, or I get, so I've been working at Starbucks, and I actually just uh, quit Starbucks, which is awesome. Very good. It's been a great job, though. No complaints. We realized, this is a little side note, we realized that we've gotten probably, I got a free bag of coffee every week for the past five years, and it probably totals around $3,600 of coffee. My dad was just like, he was so sad when I told him I had to leave, you know? Um, but at Starbucks, I see people coming in all the time. They walk in, and they're on their phones and then they order, and then when they're done ordering, back on their phones, they pick up their drink, they walk to their car, they get to their car, listen to a podcast, listen to music. It's just you're constantly 
going. You're constantly distracted. There's no room to listen to the Spirit. There's no room to, to just experience what's going on. Is he, is he prompting you to talk to somebody in the coffee shop? Is he prompting me to talk to somebody in the coffee shop? Or am I so zoned in on what I'm doing in my phone that I miss it? You know, it's that kind of stuff that it makes Christianity, instead of it being a living, moving, breathing relationship with God, it makes Christianity just something that we can plan and predict and it just becomes boring and it doesn't have power in it. When we put his spirit first and we follow him, we wait upon him, we ask him where he wants to use us. And when we make ourselves available for him, we will experience him more and more. The more time we give him, the more he will move. That's a promise. The more time we give the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, the more he will move. So that's the first kind of section. I know it's a lot of points, but there's so many. We figured out so many ways to quench the Spirit, you know? So I felt like I had to touch on some of them. And again, just don't be discouraged if you feel like, man, every single one of these things I do, don't be discouraged. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he's encouraging you. This is an invitation to know God more. So that's limiting the Spirit. And the next kind of section is not listening to the Spirit. And number one is ignoring his prompts, his teaching, his correction. As Martin Lloyd-Jones put it, his gracious influences. Ignoring these things. So the Spirit speaks to us. He prompts us to talk to people, as we've already been saying. He teaches us things about Jesus and ourselves. There have been so many times where I've been in my car, and I've gone, God, I'm confused. I don't understand this. And then a verse comes into my mind, or I feel like he said something to me, and it checks out biblically, and it's like, yeah, this is amazing. You know, he teaches us. He corrects us. He graciously points out the sin in our lives and leads us to repentance. We know he speaks because we see it in the Bible. We hear him ourselves. But when he speaks to us, do we respond and do we listen or do we ignore? Because when I ignore him, when we ignore him, we lose opportunities. We lose opportunities to talk to others, like I was saying, to be sanctified, to be made more like Jesus, to, to grow. If the Spirit leads us to pray, we're missing out on times to pray and draw close to our Father we lose opportunities to be forgiven. We lose opportunities to prophesy. The list goes on. When we're not listening to him, when we're ignoring him, we're missing out on so much of what he has for us. Uh, a couple of years ago, I guess it was a grade 11, so maybe six years ago, five years ago, we went to an L.A. trip with the church, and we went to uh, IHOP, but not the Pancake House. We went to the International House of Prayer. I would have loved to go gone to the Pancake House. But we went to, the, to IHOP, and the, the, the Christian IHOP. And um, the lady was speaking on, I don't know what she was speaking on. It doesn't matter. And I was just sitting in the back. And I was kind of journaling. I wasn't really paying attention too much, as you can tell. And I was just, I wasn't really, like, I wasn't really praying or asking the Spirit anything. I was just kind of journaling. And then a name popped into my head. And, and it was somebody on the L.A. trip. And so I was like, okay. So I wrote down his name. I was kind of like, God, what is this? And this is new for me. I've never done this before. I was like, God, what is this? Like, what is this about? What does this mean? And then I just got uh, the word temptation. I was like, okay. So, you know, his name and temptation. And I'm just like kind of writing, like, God, I pray that you would like free him from temptation. And then this guy out of nowhere, like this guy comes and sits next to me in the church. 
I was like, what the heck's happening? Like, this is so, you know, this has never happened to me before. And so he's, he's sitting there. And I kind of like closed my journal because I don't want him to see that I was like writing, you know. And then he was just like, hey, how's it going? And I've never really talked to this guy. He's never sat down next to me before. And I was like, oh, it's going good. How are you? <laughs> you know. And then he said, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing good. And I said, you know, man, like, I feel like I got a word from the Lord for you. And I got the word temptation. He just kind of looked at me. He was like, dang, you know. And then he was like, okay, follow me. I was kind of scared. <laughs> and then, you know, and then he grabbed his backpack and he like pulled out like a pack of cigarettes. Like he'd been smoking on the trip or whatever. And I was like, okay, that seems pretty, you know, bang on. He was like, I know this isn't right. And so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw these away. And so he threw them away. And it was the first time that was like, wow, this is really, that's really powerful, you know. Because I listened to, the, their spirit spoke to me, and I responded. And there are loads of times where I haven't responded. You know, I don't get it right all the time. But if I didn't say something to this guy, the spirit wouldn't have moved and freed him from temptation, you know. The spirit speaks to us and leads us and encourages us to go and talk to other people and gives us words so that other people can be freed from their sin, that other people can be forgiven, so that other people can grow. And it's up to us to take the opportunity because he does speak to us. He does speak to us. We just need to listen. And when we do listen, yeah, we will experience him more and his beauty more. So number two, don't stir up when we don't stir up the, the gifts within us. So that's spiritual gifts. Um, it's when we have them and we don't put them into practice. The iconic verse is, fan into flame the gift of God, Paul talking to Timothy. And it's the same about us. We all have gifts. Every single person here has gifts. And whether it's administration or prophecy or teaching or helping or evangelism, everybody has them. And we need to use them. We need to stir them up. If we've been gifted, which we have, it'd be a shame to not use them, to build up the church. It'd be a shame to not use them to lead other people to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And amazing things happen when we step into our gifts. And especially when we use them in community. Number three is when we neglect spiritual practices. This is when we don't spend time praying or reading or memorizing scripture, resting or having a Sabbath even, or being alone with God. And these things are so, so important to us because they shape us as Christians. They make us grow as Christians. Without these things, we're not putting our mind on the Spirit. And Romans 8.6 says, To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So when we do these things, when we do the things that point us towards God, that teach us about God, the Spirit uses them to grow us, to sanctify us, to, to help us, to teach us to develop the fruits of the Spirit within us. And so neglecting these things leads to us missing out on learning, missing out on growing. And the positive of that is when we do these things, our lives will change. Our lives will change. If we're setting our mind on the Spirit, our lives will be peace and fullness of life. That's a promise from Scripture. And number four is neglecting community. And the verse for this is Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When we neglect community, we're missing out 
on what God has called us to. God has actually commanded us to meet together. Don't neglect to meet together. Today, on Sunday, and throughout the week, live in community. Because in community, things happen. God uses community. Our gifts are made for community. I can't prophesy to nobody. You know, I can't encourage nobody. I need to be with people. We need to be meeting with people, having coffee, going for walks, spending time, building relationships, doing this, worshiping together, praying with each other, giving the Spirit room to move in our lives. And it just takes some effort. Let us consider how to do these things. Maybe it's, and maybe it's something I should do too. Before every week, you go, how can I encourage somebody this week? How can I stir up somebody else? How can I how can I help somebody this week? And it actually takes some effort. Let us consider how to do this. Because God uses communities. He uses us. He uses the other churches in town. He uses people together. And the Spirit moves and does incredible things through people together, through his church. And then the fifth one is Sin. This is fairly obvious. This is probably the most, it's the most obvious way for me that I quench the Spirit. Is because sinning is just choosing to do, choosing to go our own way instead of God's way. Believing that our ways of doing things or thinking about things is right. And so we ignore the Spirit and we quench the Spirit and we don't listen to the Spirit. Galatians 5.17 says this. It says, For the desires of the flesh, so your sinful nature, your kind of, your humanity are against the Spirit, which is in you. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So the desires of the flesh, it says somewhere else, that that leads to death. In Romans 8, 6, it says that desires of the flesh, living life with a mindset on the flesh, leads to death. And so when we choose sin, when we choose, even subconsciously even, when we choose sin, we are choosing death. We're missing out on life and peace. We're going against what God has, and God has decided is best for us. We're missing it. And we always face that tension. Our flesh wants to do what is wrong. The Spirit wants to do what is right. Everybody feels it. But it's up to us to listen to the Spirit. Say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to, and ask the Spirit to help us in that. We can't just do it from willpower. The Spirit helps us in it. The desires of the Spirit. The Spirit wants you to do what is right, and He will help you in it. And if His life and His Spirit leads to life and peace, I would way rather listen to that voice than my own. If my voice leads me to ruin and hurt and going against God, then I need to listen to the Spirit, because His way His ways are greater. His ways are higher. And he makes known to us the path of life. It's him. So these are the nine ways. It's a lot. Great job for staying with me. These are the nine ways that we kind of quench the Spirit. And there probably are more, but I felt like these were the main ones and and that you can kind of lump some of them together as well. Um, And again, I encourage you just to write down one or two of these. And uh, hopefully you did already, because I can go back if you need, but... Hopefully you wrote them down. And just listen to the Spirit this week. Listen to the Spirit. I've been really, um, yeah, this week just going, man, God, I actually, I quench your Spirit a lot. 
And when I quench your spirit, I miss out on what being a Christian is. I miss out on the fullness of God in my life. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to look at my life and consider whether my life looks so similar to somebody on outside the church. I want to look at my life and go, no, my life is different because the Spirit's in me. He's moving and I'm listening. I'm trying my best to listen. You know, this is an invitation into the fullness of life that He offers us. And so I wanted to spend some time now to reflect and to just make room for the Spirit to speak to us and to move. And the same for everybody online as well, is that let's give some time to just reflect on the Spirit. And I wanted to use Psalm 51 as kind of a basis. This has been something that's encouraged me. Um, It's created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, purge me of my sin, wash me whiter than snow. That's going to be our prayer. And and just for anybody listening that, that doesn't believe in Jesus or and doesn't know God, and this is a time to, to, well, this is the gospel. Create in me a clean heart. Jesus, because of his love for you, died on the cross that you could be saved from your sin. He rose again from the dead, defeating death and sin forever, and uniting us back with God. And now we are filled with his spirit. And we can be transformed and changed and renewed by his spirit. And this is an incredible thing. This is the gospel. This is what we believe. And, and this is what we should remind ourselves of every single day. You know, so let's use this, this time. If you're a Christian, use this time to, to ask the spirit to speak to you. To highlight things in you. To show you what he has for you be encouraged. This is an invitation into the fullness of life that he offers you. This is an incredible blessing. If you are not a Christian, use this time to reflect on the fact that God loves you, that God made a way for you to be forgiven from your sins, and that you could know him and experience fullness of life today. Let's pray. I'll pray, and then I'll read some verses, and, and I'll finish. Heavenly Father, as we just make room for you, Holy Spirit, as we make room for you, I just pray that you would speak to us. God, we want to live spirit-filled, abundant lives. Lives that we can truly say that, that in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we live with our minds set on you, that there is life and peace. We want to live that life. We want to know you. We want to know you, God. Psalm 51, you can keep your eyes closed and just reflect on these. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Verse 7. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, 
you will not despise. Let's take some time to reflect. God, we we love you. We don't want to quench your spirit anymore. We want to walk by the spirit. We want to live by the spirit. We want to live in the fullness of life that you offer. Lord, we want to be people who experience your fullness, experience your wonder, your beauty, through the fruit in our lives, through the gifts you give us, through community, through knowing God as a Father. Holy Spirit, we want to, yeah, that we want that to be our heart and our response. God, we love you. Would we make room for you this week? Would we listen to you? God, would we not limit you? Would we not ignore you? But would we listen and be actively listening, asking for you? God, is there something you want me to do or say today? Or when you're just around, Lord, that maybe we could say, God, if, if you want me to minister to somebody, if you want me to talk to somebody, I'm available. And I will. And I will respond to you. Lord, would you lead us? And for the people listening, or who will listen, who don't know you, God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see you, that they would find forgiveness of their sins. Lord, and that they would experience the wonder of a clean heart. We love you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, I'll say goodbye to the online church. Thank you for joining us this morning.